0: There's a little used trail across the Armagosa desert. And when the horse riders finally get fatigued and tired and thirsty from the heat and the dust, they suddenly see in the distance a little pump and they are delighted. When you approach the pump, you'll see there's a tin cup hanging on it, and there's a little note tucked inside. And the note says, This pump has a leather that dries out and must be primed. Under the white rock is a bottle of water, There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not to drink some first. Pour about a quarter down the pump shaft and let her soak the leather. And then pour in the rest and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The well has never gone dry. Have faith when you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back for the next feller. And it's signed, Desert Pete. I can just imagine people standing there looking at that little bottle of water and wondering, now do I take a drink or do I pour it into a pump? What if the leather is so cracked and dry that the water doesn't do any good? Then I poured all the water in the pump and I'm thirsty, and here we are in the desert. Have faith, says Desert Pete. It's kind of parable about life, isn't it? We live by faith. We're always living in the future into the things that we anticipate. And it depends on whom we trust what we believe our own confidence in what we've chosen to do what the future will be depends on that faith we have we find that everyone that succeeds in life has this characteristic moving ahead with a vision with a purpose with something in mind Something that can be seen that is not yet realized. Sinking oneself, one's possessions, one's time and energy and talent. All of it goes into that future that one can see on the distant horizon. And these people live by faith. While the rest of us sit and whine about the circumstances of the day and wonder how we're ever going to get through and how terrible it's going to be next week. And it isn't like the good old days. And so there are those who've written books and hold seminars on faith. Positive thinking and believing in possibilities. And we know how important faith is. But then we think, what if Desert peat is wrong? What if the leather is cracked? What if the desert no longer gives up any water? Who's to guarantee that? Will it really happen? Should I drink from the bottle or pour it down the shaft and make an investment in my hope and faith and belief and trust? And you pause for a moment. Well, what if you expand the desert to the world and to your own life? Whom will you trust? And what about the world with all of its uncertainty? It's all right for Desert Pete, who had the experience. But what about the world in which you live when you are asked to believe something in the future that you can't see, to move on as though the unseen is a present reality? Can you do that? And on what basis do you do it? Our text this morning, written by... The disciple named John says that the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. So we ask about our faith. We ask about the world. Why do we have to overcome the world? Well, our world isn't much different than John's world. When John wrote this, he was living in the Roman Greco world. The Romans ruled politically. Caesar the king, if not the god, might made right, infanticide, slavery, slavery, abuse, persecution, death to the one who is disobedient to Caesar. And the Greek world of the Stoics. And the Stoics believed in believed in a God who had no emotions and no feelings. They called it apatheia, from which we get our word apathy. God was apathetic if there was one. He really didn't care. The reason he didn't care is because he didn't want to get involved in our problems. After all, he's God. Why does he want to invest any of himself in us? And on the other side were the Epicureans who thought that God was so abstract and so, so infinitely beyond our comprehension that that God, being that transcendent was unreachable for us. And so he too was aloof and irrelevant. It's the world as they taught John. Our world isn't much different, is it? it follows the same steps. Thomas Hardy, the well-known author, wrote a generation ago that God is like the dreaming, dark, dumb thing that turns the handle of this idle show, to quote him. Or maybe uh, we are seasoned and we've grown up now to believe what George Bernard Shaw wrote in his essay, The Infancy of God, when he said that God experiments and watches to see if we have the ingenuity to deal with the treacheries and the chaos of life. And this is his theater which amuses him. But all to no purpose. And today we're told by E.O. Wilson who wrote on Human Nature a book that said that We are genetically controlled and we've become a believer in that or in B.F. Skinner who said that we are environmentally controlled. Maybe it's not one or the other but both, but somehow we're caught in a situation that we we do not control and that cannot be controlled. It's inevitable that we become what we have the genes and environment to become. And so God is is irrelevant to the moral scene of our time. And if we have opinions, they're no better than anybody else's. So why don't you have your opinion, I'll have mine, and let's say nothing as a society. Yet somehow we know that things aren't right when they go wrong. We really don't want China in the World Trade Organization because they have no standard for human values. Why do we say things like this? We know about the Virgin Mary who rode that donkey down to Bethlehem so long ago. We don't want to ride on donkeys. We have far better means of transportation and yet deep within us We know that we have not improved a bit and probably haven't even come near to Mary when it comes to loyalty and integrity and godliness. Our technology has done nothing for us in those respects. Have faith in this world and in tomorrow? No, we need a faith that goes beyond the world. We need to overcome the world. Well, what kind of faith is that? How great does your faith have to be? Can we manage that kind of thing? And Jesus said to us, don't worry about how great your faith is if it's like a a little grain of mustard seed, just a a small, the smallest of seedlings, but if it's connected with God. So John writes in that same verse as our text and tells us that the secret of a true faith is to be born of the living God, to have his spirit in our hearts. And if God has invaded our lives and we are walking with Him, we have a faith that can overcome and can lead us into the future with great confidence. The unseen is no longer a threat. That's the only way to live. We don't have to trust Desert Pete or any such likeness. One here to carry us through an emergency and another one there, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to find the God of all of us who shaped the universe and who comes in his own integrity but with his own love to be part of our lives to walk with him. What kind of a God is he? Well, it's precisely because of what kind of a God he is, what his character is, that's why we have faith and we trust him. God will win regardless of what happens to us. We've seen it happen over and again. John knows that. John wrote being in our condition In a world that offered him little comfort for the future and a world that had no use for his God, he tells us about faith by which he was living. For he never saw the fulfillment of his dreams. His vision of the kingdom of God on earth never happened in his time he didn't know that that kingdom of Caesar would be transformed a couple of centuries later and that the official religion would become the Christian faith. All he knew is a character of his God who never loses, and who always wins, just like he did in Old Testament times. And John had that as his witness. and We have the new and all of history witness to us God is not one to lose us he'll keep pursuing us and he's one with whom we can walk and he gives us security Jesus might have thought he had security but he really didn't in his family or his friends. Jesus never sought it. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests. I don't have any place to go and call home anymore. My relatives turned against me. They wanted to be rid of me because they thought I was sick of soul. You remember the incident of his rejection very early in his ministry by his own family. He might have thought that he had good friends, his disciples, who would be loyal, only to discover that they weren't loyal either. If he had been resting on them and finding his security in, in their presence, how disappointed he would have been. John points to him as the one who is the example He had the faith that carried him through. We need that kind of faith. Knowing that beyond the world and the earthly, there is the divine God himself who came into the flesh and who showed us, who demonstrated his concern His love for those who rejected Him. Every loss, every sorrow, every tragedy will buy something back that is better. Do you believe that? No matter what happens to you in this life, the experience of our life is always that God has the ability to deal with it. And out of all the suffering and the rejection of one on Calvary's cross would ultimately be turned into the greatest blessing of mankind. It's the God in whom we trust that makes our faith so dynamic. There's an answer for everything. We don't know it. We struggle with it. We wonder why. We ask the questions. But when God lives with you, be sure of this, that he's suffering with you. He's disappointed with you. He struggles with you, seeking to be one who will hold you up. Because he's involved in your life. When you ask why does God let this happen, add the words, "Why does God let this happen to Himself?" Like a father who sees his son suffering. A little boy was once son of a, a surgeon, and another little boy heard some strange stories at home. He came to this friend of his and said, "I don't. I'm sure I like your dad." He said, "Why not?" Well, he said, "I understand he puts people to sleep and cuts them open and takes things out and." patches them up, and then they're sick. He said, how would you like to have that happen to you? The little boy said, well, I know my dad, and there must be a reason why he does this. Our father knows when we don't. And if you're going to overcome the world and transcend these passing things, then you need to be in his care. Now we come to the practical side. How does faith work? Well, the, the normal way of saying faith works is you get an idea and you get pumped up about it. You go to a sales seminar or something, you know, you hear the motivating people speak. Then you go out there and you really knock them all dead. That's the way to do it. Well, there's something like that that happens, but that isn't quite the way it happens. The way it happens is that when you are in the Son, says John, when you are in the Son, you live as the Son did in obedience to the Father. We live in obedience to the Son when there is a prescription in the Scripture and it's clear. And when there isn't, when it's a matter of judgment like, do I change jobs, do I move to another city, what is my vocation to be? There's nothing in the Bible about specific things for each of us. Then how do we find out but to pray as we walk with God, to ask him to give us an inclination, some intuitive insight into the way we ought to go, and to let our imagination spin free as he guides it, and we catch a vision, some some dream in which we see ourselves involved. But it always is a dream that will honor him that will coincide with the way he's taught us to live in his word. And then we let go and we, with enthusiasm, we, we accept, we obey, we do as we are led. And there's nothing better than to do what you're doing with enthusiasm, to enjoy life. About halfway through my ministry, I learned that when people ask me to do something, and I knew in the back of my mind I was going to do it anyway, I ought to say, I'll be glad to, instead of, well, I've got to think about that. Why don't you beg me a little bit, you know, and make me feel a little better. If you do things with enthusiasm, if, if you buy into the call and you catch the vision. It's a way to live, isn't it? And then risk whatever you have to risk. Invest yourself. Your talents, your goods, your money, your mind, your time, whatever it may be. Do it. As unto the Lord. With all your might. As Paul wrote. And then when you do, live expectantly. For God is in it with you. He walks beside you, moves within you by His Spirit. You can anticipate something that's going to bless others and honor Him. And what more can you ask? That is the kind of faith that overcomes the world. And you say, well, how does that work practically? Let me tell you. Norman Vincent Peale is known for a positive, enthusiastic attitude toward life. But there's more to it than that, as John says. He had a man in his church that he knew for some time, very successful man, and they'd pray together and talk about life and its problems. One day the man came, and he was getting a little older. He sat down and said to Dr. Peale, You know... I have a measure of things but I'm I'm a little hollow inside he said it just doesn't ring a bell Help me with this will you And Dr Peel is doing what so many of us do when we are counseling with people we're praying lord tell me what to say how do I how do I help this person and then the man finished by saying, in an offhand sort of way, I'm going off to Europe for a couple of weeks and get out of all of this. And Dr. Peel thought of something instinctively. He said, Can I read something to you? And the man said, Sure. And he opened his Bible to Malachi 3, verse 10. He read these words Bring your tie into the storehouse and prove me, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing and there shall, shall not be room to receive it. The man says, sounds good. What do I do? Dr. Peel said, do you have your checkbook with you? He said, yes. Well, he said, what you do then is you write a check out for $1,000 to Marble Collegiate Church what the Lord says so the man got his checkbook out and he wrote a check out and handed it to Dr. Peel Peel said bless you have a wonderful trip and look for the blessings of God it isn't that he earned it it's that he trusted God when God said this is the way to live just do it And the record is that this man became a very productive person and a very happy person, deep within his own heart. That's how practical it is, dear friends. It pertains to everything you do and everything you have. To have faith that overcomes the world is to dig deeply into life that God may live deeply within you and lead you day by day and his gift to you will be the blessings of peace and joy because you've exercised a fearless faith to believe him, to trust him and to walk with him. Let us pray. Lord God, it is that great faith that overcomes the world. The greatness is not ours. The greatness is yours. For in you we live and move and have our being. In you we find our purpose, our eternal hope. In you we transcend the details of each day. We become a part of a much greater landscape of reality. Bless us, we pray, for your namesake. And may we, with great confidence and great joy, become a witness to your presence in our world, bringing the transcendent and the eternal into time use us as your people and may your name always be honored in the name of Christ Jesus Amen